This is The Resilient Life, where we believe that every human will struggle in this life. Our challenge is to struggle well. I'm Ryan Mannion. I lost my brother to war, my mom to cancer, and I'm the daughter of a retired Marine. I'm also a wife, mom, author, and president of one of the nation's leading veteran service organizations. Join me and some incredible guests as we explore the value of struggling well through life's inevitable challenges. Okay, welcome to another episode of the Resilient Life Podcast. I'm here with Abby Gustaitis, the U.S. Olympic rugby team captain, coming to us all the way from Japan. This is pretty cool. (laughs) So fun fact, we're recording at 11 p.m. on the East Coast, 11 a.m. in Japan. Abby is coming to us from the future uh, to talk to the Resilient Life Podcast. Welcome to our show, Abby. Thanks so much for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I've been like tracking. um, Obviously, there's so much going on now with all the athletes that are in Japan. And I'm seeing everything from like athletes are sleeping on cardboard beds to, (laughs) you know, there's there's a ton of athletes that are testing positive for COVID. I mean, there's a lot of energy there. You're in Tokyo. This is your first Olympics. Um, what are you seeing? What are you feeling? What are you doing? Like, just give us a little bit of a rundown. So we've been in Japan now for about a week. We got here. The protocols to get in are absolutely rigid. Like we're wearing face shields, N95 masks the entire time. We're putting gloves on our hands to like go and eat food and then like go back and it's, it feels weird. Like I still don't believe that the Olympics are starting in two days or whatever they are, but I'm super excited. Our team is absolutely excited, buzzing and just can't wait to take the field, but we're not in the village yet. So we're actually traveling tomorrow to get to the village. And then I feel like then it will really set in. Okay. So you check into the village tomorrow. Um, Just a little update on, I actually saw Right before um, I got on the show with you, the cardboard beds are real, um, but uh, there was one of the athletes that was actually doing a walkthrough of these beds, and they were saying that the, the cardboard beds were, they, there was all these theories about why there were cardboard beds, but it's actually for sustainability, and um, uh, uh, they did a walkthrough on like how durable they were, so it looks like you're going to be comfortable. Um, <laughs> I'll be sure to report back on the yes, bed situation. Yes. I'm, I'm curious, you know, maybe that's the way of the future. You set up these cardboard beds. Um, so a lot of people, I want to talk about your background. You've been playing rugby for only 10 years and it's a long time, but it's not a long time, right? Compared to some right. athletes who've been playing their entire lives. And you actually didn't discover the sport until you were in college and you didn't start playing rugby until 2014. Is that correct? 2014, I started playing rugby sevens. Okay. And so that's the Olympic version of the sport. But in 2010, I started playing rugby 15s, which is a much longer uh, duration of the game, like the original form of rugby. Okay. So you're obviously an athlete because you don't just walk into a sport and then 10 years later, you're in the Olympics. (laughs) I was thinking about this too, because it's so interesting hearing you didn't discover the sport until you were in college. I have a I have a freshman going into her sophomore year um, of high school. 
She's a lacrosse player. She's been playing lacrosse since she was six years old. She wants to play in college. I played lacrosse in college. And I picked lacrosse up actually my freshman year of high school because it didn't exist before then um, Mm -hmm. for, for, for me. And when I talked to my daughter about that, that I said, well, you know, I started playing lacrosse my freshman year and then I got recruited. She can't even fathom that someone would <laughs> pick up, you know, she's been playing since she was six, right? Right. And so just thinking about that journey, like when you pick up that sport right away, are you, um, is it something that's instinctive that right away you're like, oh, I, I, I'm playing the sport and I'm pretty good. Like, how does that happen? Because that's not normal. Right. No, but it is not normal, but it's more common in the rugby world because it's not that common of a sport in America. Uh So people find it later in life and it's a very social sport to use that word. (laughs) And it's a way to make friends and the camaraderie is incredible. The community of rugby, everyone's welcome. You're a freshman in college, right? You're just trying to make friends and you want to be in a group of people and they just take take everyone in. And so that's what kind of stuck out to me at first, but then just the physicality of the sport. I grew up with two older brothers. They're always beating me up and, <laughs> you know, I tried, tried to hold my own. And then I found this sport, like unlike any other women's sport, right? Like, yeah, lacrosse. Okay. I played that. I played basketball, soccer, you know, you can check people, but it's not full contact. And so that was, it was wild. I was like, wait, I just tackle these people. And then I was like, yeah, I'm up for it. Let's give it a go. And then that's kind of what has stuck me around from the sport side of it is that physicality. And then, yeah, the community that rugby offers is also incredible. So I, a fun fact about, again, I'm not super familiar with the rugby world, but my, um, my, uh, four-year-old godson, uh, just started playing rugby this year. Okay. And, um, it, it's just adorable to watch these kids out there running around. And his dad was a rugby player in high school. Okay. And, um, it's, it's fun to watch the sport and you can feel the kind of that camaraderie that you talk about, that it's this kind of community event. There's this field right by us, Manicore field. And, you know, everybody comes out there. It's not just kind of about the game, but it's about the whole experience. So I do understand that as much as I don't know about the sport. (laughs) I understand what you're saying there. Um, So talk to us about a little bit about that journey. You start playing again to, try and find a little bit of that community, make, build relationships. When does it become real for you that this is a sport that you're really competing in and you see yourself going further? So I played it for a couple of years, freshman, sophomore, and then I wanted to go to medical school. And so I was majoring in physiology and neurobiology. And I was like, look, like rugby's cool and all, but I got I came to college to get a degree and like actually do something other than play sports, but alas, here I am. (laughs) So uh, I I took a little bit of time off and then we got a new coach and then we played against the Naval Academy because I went to University of Maryland. So right right down the road and actually their coach came up to me afterwards and she was like, like, how long have you been playing? Like, you're pretty athletic, like you're raw, like in a rugby sense, but like you have potential. And so she submitted my name to become, 
to go try out for the All-American team. And so my senior year, I was a member of the All-American rugby team, which I didn't even know existed even more so. Like I found rugby, okay, didn't know there was a national team. So my senior year, 2013, that's when I was like, oh, okay. There's like, I could continue to play this sport because I just thought, oh, I'll play it in college and that's it. But so then I ended up in that sort of pathway to the national team. And then I didn't end up making the team until 2016. I'd come out to camps and I was a resident in the lead up to the 2016 Olympics, just from playing like travel sevens, Mm -hmm. club rugby, you just go around and, you know, they send different scouts to different tournaments. And so that's kind of how I was seen for, you know, two years into playing sevens. And then we have the Olympic training center in San Diego. And so it's full time there Monday to Friday, like some of the girls work part-time, but rugby and then some track and field BMX, it's all in one spot. Um, It's like beautiful weather. You can't beat it. But so that's where the sevens programs are held ever since they got introduced into the Olympics. So 2016 was the first time that rugby sevens was in the Olympics. And you, um, and so you graduate college and decide, okay, I'm going to keep just kind of seeing where this takes me. Right. Yeah. So I, I kind of had it that, like I had two lanes going at once. Like I had, I graduated with my science degree. I was working in an emergency room. I ended up going to work for a few physicians in the DC area. And then I still played rugby. So it was like, I get up at five in the morning, I go to the gym, I go do my nine to five job, and then I go to rugby practice. And that's what I did from all of 2014 and then into 2015, which is when I ended up going out to San Diego for the first time. And once, once I got that email saying like, hey, we'd love to have you, that's when I was like, oh no, this is what I want to do. Like, I want to chase this dream. Like school can wait. It'll always be there. My mom, not so pleased with that decision, (laughs) but, but I had to go for it. I love that. Like chase that dream, right? It's in front of you. It's there. Um, and, and yeah, everything else can wait, like chase that dream, see where it takes you. And I'm a big believer in that when something's in front of you, when you have that opportunity, like see it through, right? See where it takes you. So, um, but when you're there, you originally got cut from the first Olympic team. Is that right? Yeah, unfortunately. Um, So I moved out there in March of 2015. So yet a year and a half until the Olympics. And I was like, I still didn't even know the sport that well, because I only started playing sevens in 2014, the year before. Explain explain sevens for our listeners, just so they understand what that means. Okay. So you have a full-size soccer pitch, right? So it's a hundred meters and then 70 meters wide and you have seven people versus seven people. Mm -hmm. And the game is only 14 minutes long. So it's two seven minute halves. It seems absolutely insane, right? Like you're, you're like, it's only 14 minutes. That's what is that? And, but that's, what's so crazy about the sport is it's electric fast. Like it's, chaotic it's full tackle 
and people are scoring on both sides. There's no attack in D. Everyone has to play everything. And it's just so fun to watch. Like you can get anyone to watch rugby sevens, let alone it's only 14 minutes. So who doesn't have that amount of time <laughs> to catch a game? Right, right. But yeah, it's all the same rules as 15 aside rugby, which is the 80 minute version of the game. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's just a condensed jam packed game. And it's lot, you know, we don't wear pads or helmets or anything. Like we have our mouth guard in, we wear soccer cleats. And yeah, you just have to throw the ball backwards and just score. Go from there. <laughs> so you're yeah. out there and you're looking to compete with the opportunity to play in the Olympic games, correct? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And what happens? So uh, I'm in this full-time environment. I'd never been in that in any other sport. I played basketball most of my life. That was like the sport I competed in the most. And then, but I wasn't going to go to the WNBA. I wasn't going to be a D1 athlete. So I was like, you know, that's not for me anymore. I'll move on again. Here I am. <laughs> but <laughs> so, you know, we trained Monday to Friday. It's mentally exhausting, right? But we actually ended up having three head coach changes in the year lead up into the Rio Olympics. Wow. So that was just completely chaotic. And I actually got cut by the middle coach. So I came in and then the coach who brought me in, he got fired. And then uh, someone else came in. I was there for a couple months, but I wasn't making the teams. So when you travel, you only take 12 players and there's about 30 girls out there competing. And I wasn't making those 12. So I was kind of, I was in the player pool, but I wasn't quite breaking in. And, you know, she just, she brought me in her office on a one Friday afternoon and she's like, you know, Abby, I don't think this is the sport for you. Like, I just, I don't see you fitting into the team. And I was just, I was shocked. Like, I know I hadn't, hadn't made the team under her yet, but I was just like, dang, I really, I really felt like I could bring something to this team and I was on the right path. The, I was growing as a player, you know, I, all the good things stacking up, but then yeah, so that hit me. And so it was March of 2016, you know, five months out from the Olympics. I was like, well, there goes that dream, you know, just crushed. But it's, and it, it was heartbreaking. I, I was definitely in a lull. Like, I was like, hey, I, I kind of took her words as truth, right? Like, I was like, you know, that she knows best. She's the coach. She, she's the one in charge of the team. So, maybe she's right. This isn't for me. So I, I stopped playing rugby for a couple months actually. And just kind of, I, I went, I worked part-time and kind of made ends meet. And then eventually I just moved back to Maryland in maybe June that summer. And I, I started to play club rugby again. Cause that, I, I played rugby because I loved it and I found joy in it. And it's, you know, obviously a form of exercise, but I went back to my roots of just playing for fun and I just reignited that passion I had for the game. And that was just the best thing I could have done. I was just playing with my friends and we ended up going to win like the national championship in um, the States for rugby sevens club level. And I was like, no, like th this is like where I'm meant to be. Right. Like I, I refound it. I, 
I knew why I loved the game so much. And I had people around me who supported me and believed in me. And that makes all the difference in the world, right? So that's kind of back to, and that was the same time the Olympics were going on. And that, so they ended up placing fifth, which is a little bit of a tough spot to end up, right? You're pretty close to meddling, but you're, you're just out of range. Yeah. And, and I watched them play and I was just like, I want to be there. Like, I want to be in that arena. I want to be playing. I want to be on that 12. And then, so that's kind of when I reset and I was like 2020, like that's, that's, I'm coming for 2020. And so I kind of restarted the whole process all over again. I went to Australia to play rugby. I was like, well, if I'm not playing rugby here, like I'm going to go somewhere else. Yeah. And, and the opportunities, right? Exactly. I, I think it's so interesting because, you know, when you think of like setbacks, I think that sometimes setbacks can be a good thing, right? I mean, you could have coasted, you could have made that team, you could have gone mm -hmm. to Rio and placed fifth with that team. And, you know, that could have been the height of your achievements, right? And, mm -hmm. and you yeah. could have said, I, I, you know, but you were cut. And you, you listened to that coach who kind of gave her truth about your play and where you stood as an athlete. And, and you could have walked away from the sport completely. And I always think that sometimes when we have these setbacks, they can fuel us to be better. And mm -hmm. I look at, I actually look at um, my daughter again, she's like, Oh my God, you're talking about me again. But, <laughs> but um, going into her eighth grade year, um, she was, uh, she tried out for an elite uh, travel lacrosse team. And she was pretty confident in her abilities. And she went out, she tried out and she made it as an alternate. And mm -hmm. you would have thought that her world was over. And it was, you know, it was a devastating blow to her. And for the first couple weeks after that. And we let her like do her self wallowing and saying, I don't want to play anymore. I'm just, you know, I'm just going to play for fun and okay, whatever you want to do. And then, um, there was this passion that was ignited inside of her where like, she was going to take everyone who doubted her and prove them wrong. And from that moment on, I never saw her work harder. And, and, and it took that moment for her to recognize that she had to not just prove to everybody else, but she had to prove to herself where she stood as a player. And she came back the next year, tried out for that team with a lot of hard work and determination. It didn't just come with like her, her, her willing to make that team. She worked her butt off and made that team and made that team as a starter. And, you know, and now she's on the trajectory of being, you know, a, a really incredible athlete. But I, I often talk about like, if she hadn't gone through that experience, she would have been a good player, but I don't know if she would have ever been a great player. And so, um, you know, I think sometimes we can look at these times in our lives where we're kind of knocked down. Um, but you also find that those people are the ones that get back up in, in such a bigger way. So um, it's, it's pretty awesome to see you sitting here and talking to you from Japan. 
uh, just days before you're going to compete. I want to talk to you a little bit um, when you, so you get back on, you're going through that process and then you meet your husband, Alex, mm -hmm. right? And that's around yeah. 2018 and yeah. rugby player himself, um, <laughs> yes. um, which, and uh, I, I actually saw some stuff where you were, um, you were joking about not wanting to always take his advice because he played 15, <laughs> not sevens. And I yes. love that. Like, um, he's been a, a role model and, and encouraged you, but you didn't always want to take his advice, which I loved. But um, uh, in November of 2019, in the middle of you making the Olympic team, it's like everything's coming to realization for you. Um, your husband is diagnosed with cancer. And... Um, how did that affect you? Because again, it's kind of something that's just thrown in that's not part of the plan, right? So right. what happens there? Like it kind of explain that um, and, and what, how you dealt with that. Mm -hmm. That was definitely an unexpected twist in the story. It was, you know, we were just on a high. We had actually just won our second back-to-back -to -back tournament in on our circuit like our world series essentially is what it's called the prep for the olympics we were two gold medals in a row like just and it was that our last one was on home soil he was there celebrating my family came out to san diego to stay with us like just all you know rainbows and butterflies as they say and then i go back to training and he calls me and i was he, like he texts me first and he's just like He's like, oh, hey, when you have five minutes, give me a call. I was like, okay, yeah, whatever, you know, same, typical. So I call him and then he's just like, oh, I have cancer. And I was like, five minutes? Yeah. You wouldn't talk to me about this for five minutes? And I laugh about it now, but like I was fuming in the moment, right. but I, I was really mad at first. And because I'm at training and it's about 40 minutes from our house and I'm just thinking, and then he's at the doctor, maybe 20, 30 minutes away. And then I'm like walking up to the cafeteria on the phone with him. And then I just like stop. And then he's like, oh, I got to go. The doctor's in the room, whatever. So I just go. And then I just like break down and I'm just like, I don't know, like there's nothing to do in this scenario. Like I, everything is out of my control. Right. And as you know, a high level athlete, like that's, that's what I focus on. What can I control? That's how I get to where I am by, you know, doing all the little things I can write. And this was something just completely out of my wheelhouse. And I walked back to the field and our coach was still there and I'm just crying. And then I just like, I'm like, Alex has cancer. Like, I don't, I don't. And he just like hugs me and he's just like, like, we're here for you, whatever you need do what you have to do. Like this team is behind you. And I'd just been named captain in this, you know, three months before that. So I was like, okay, now I'm the, one of the leaders on the team. I, I just get in my car and then I'm just a mess. So I'm like one of my teammates. I'm like, I need Nana to come with me. I need her to drive me to the hospital because I'm just not, I don't even know what I can do. Yeah. So it, it just, goes goes down and you know we're there and he's he's uh an english citizen uh from the uk um but so we're like he needs to go to the uk to get treatment like i mean 
pay $100,000 in healthcare in America or go to the NHS, which provide almost all the care he needed for free because they were like, hey, he needs surgery, he needs chemo. So, and then we had a tournament right, you know, two weeks down the line and we're trying to get prepped for the Olympics, which are supposed to be in a year, less than a year's time. And it's, it's, I, I had that, that same, I'd waited up a million times. I never came up with an answer. Do I be the supportive partner? And I just go and I stand by Alex's side, no matter what, do I go lead my team on the rugby field, which is what I've learned to do and known to do best, but neither of which is the right answer. When I was with Alex, I was thinking of the team. When I was with the team, I was thinking of Alex and I, I couldn't figure it out. And finally he, so he left, he went to England and I asked my staff like, hey, can I just go see him? And then I will meet you guys at the tournament, which is like very unheard of. Like we're normally, you know, we train together full time. Right. We, we, we train, we go to the tournament, we come back. It is what it is. And they were just like, yeah, absolutely. They're like, if you get there and you can't leave and you need to be with him, like we back you 100% of the, of the way. And I was just, it was just very overwhelming. And I'm a very like direct, like I take the emotion out of everything. And, and you couldn't necessarily <laughs> expect that that was the answer they were going to give you because at the end of yeah. the day, they're trying to win, right? Like, they, right. like the team has an objective too. And as much as they're, they feel for you, they could have been like, Abby, listen, like, you know, we've got to do what it, we have to do. Right. So exactly. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, it was, they were absolutely incredible. The staff and my teammates and some of my teammates are, are so close with Alex too. And they, they were just like, it hit them and everyone, just whatever you need. But it was, oh, it was so challenging to be in that situation. I, I went, I ended up going to England because he had surgery and he couldn't really do anything. And then he was going through chemo. He was just at, at home at his parents, um, and then, so I went, I, I actually surprised him there. I organized it with his brother and like, it was really sweet and he was super excited. And then, but he was like, I need, I want you to go play. Like, he's like, I know how much you love this game. I know how hard you've worked to get to where you are. Like, I want, I want to watch you go do what you love. And I think he's like, that's what would make me, my situation better yeah. is knowing I get to watch you do what you do best. And so I think it was his support in me that was like, that really gave me that final push because I was ready just to, you know, no, it's, I was like, I've never, I've never been this supportive partner before. And like, he's always supporting me now that he's a retired player and he just works in sports analysis. So it's like, he's like anything you need, you know, prepping me. And I was like, the roles were reversed and it's, it's been a wild ride because then during COVID, he, he actually, it came back. And so just in August of 2020, so we were, thought we were all in the clear, everything was good. He came back to San Diego and then it was like, hey, unfortunately, you know, got a scan and hey, it came back. So he went back to England and we had just started training again. Like we were off from March to August of during COVID being in quarantine, we, the girls just got to start training together that same week. And then he did the same thing 
he was like, I was in on a bunch of Zoom meetings and he's texted me from like upstairs or like the other room. And he's just like, hey, when you have a sec, um, can I talk to you? And I was like, of course, like what? And I would go outside and then he's just like, oh yeah, the cancer came back. And I'm like, a second? You wanted a second to talk about this? (laughs) Just men, am I right? (laughs) But, (laughs) But so... Yeah, so he actually had to go back to England, went through nine weeks of chemo. He was gone August, September, October. And I ended up going and spending about three, four weeks in England. So I just left the team and we didn't have any tournaments planned for the rest of 2020. We weren't supposed to play until the beginning of 2021. So I was like, I think this time, you know, like I just need to put him first. And I can go do my training at his house. I can go run in a field or, you know, in the, get in the gym. It's fine. I can do that. But I knew the Olympics were supposed to be put, you know, supposed to go on, but and that all seemed so far removed. Whereas I was like, look, rugby's rugby is amazing. It's given me so much, but at the end of the day, this is like my person that's going to be there with me. And like, I need to show him that I'm there and I'm in it. And I can put off rugby for a little bit, but it was, it's been quite the journey to get here, which days into the Olympics, he's home in San Diego, safe and sound to my knowledge. Hopefully you're not going to get a text, a call. I know. <laughs> if he says, can I talk to you for five minutes? You're just going to yeah. say, no, you cannot. No, no, exactly. I just throw my phone out. I'll call you when I get back. Um, right. Yeah, well, I think, you know, again, it's it's sometimes putting those things in perspective too, right? Where um, things can seem so important in your life and then something hits you and you're like, whoa, no, this is what this is what life is about, right? Like you're my person, you're my my husband, I'm gonna be by you. And and you start to almost, and again, I think it can even put what you're doing in perspective, because while it is so important and it's so amazing, um, at the end of the day, if you throw all your focus without understanding everything around you into something, um, that can be detrimental too, in some ways, Mm -hmm. you know? And so, um, a little bit of a gut check for you, I'm sure, in just kind of putting your entire life into perspective and, you know, where you are and, and, and it, makes the journey that much sweeter because he is doing well. And um, Mm -hmm. that's amazing. Um, I want to talk a little bit about, um, you know, you, you touched on it briefly, this idea that you entered into college wanting to be a doctor (laughs) and, you know, it's 2021, you're in Japan about to be in the Olympics, like, uh, and, and you're chasing that dream. Where does the dream for being a doctor come in? Like, is that, is that still in play? Are you thinking about that? Like, what does that look like for you? I, it's definitely still in the mix. Like I I can't write it off completely. I am 30. So I'm really getting to that age where it's like, you got to make a call school, school, school's there, but the rest of your life is there as well. And 
that lore of just helping people. I grew up in the volunteer fire department. So my parents were both members. And then I joined when I was 16. I became an EMT and a volunteer firefighter. And I did that through college. And that's kind of what sparked that interest. Uh -huh. And so went to college, right? I actually applied to medical school. I took the MCAT. I did everything. And then those things all expire, right? <laughs> like, yeah, your MCAT score from 2013, unfortunately, it's not, it's not good anymore. But, yeah. yeah, but it's, I, I've thrown around like physician assistant or something where I'm in the health field, but I want, I've always wanted to work with athletes. Like I always wanted to be what, like an orthopedic surgeon or sports medicine, something like that. And so I don't want to sell myself short in any capacity. And I want to make sure that I'm satisfied in whatever I end up doing. So if I think that's going to medical school and spending the next eight years of my life pursuing that, then I, I see myself doing that. But I also want to have a family and I could see myself going to PA school, right? And, you know, you're not going to be the top dog. You're, but I just kind of sit my ego to the side a little bit. And I'm still in the field that I love. I still get to help people, maybe work with athletes, specialize in something. And so there's a lot of things to take into consideration, but I definitely have a great support system. And I know whatever I end up doing that. I'll go into it with a full steam ahead. Yeah. So that dream is still alive a little bit, but I, mm -hmm. I, I have to imagine that sometimes you take a step back and you think, whoa, like who would have thought that this is where I'd be when I yeah. walked through the doors of the university of Maryland <laughs> and found this kind of almost hobby to, um, you know, build relationships to gain camaraderie and community at college. You know, it's, yeah. it's wild where, the roads in life will take you. Um, you have said that you have a reputation for being outspoken and not being <laughs> afraid to speak up when something needs to be said. Do you think that contributed at all to you being named captain of the Olympic team? I think so. I've, I have a filter, like I'm not just gonna blurt out anything, but I, I just don't want to have those barriers in any relationships that I have where I feel that I can't speak my mind or have a say or share my opinion, mm -hmm. because I think that's like the detriment to a lot of teams is you just have people nodding along with whether it's staff or the current captain or just your teammates. And then after that conversations, then you hear those same people saying, well, what was blah, blah, blah. Like, why were they saying that? And it just leads to all that little bit of whispering around. And so I've felt, I've always felt just grown up, like I said earlier, with two older brothers and they wouldn't listen to me, but I'd make sure they heard what they, <laughs> I made sure I said my piece, whether they decided to listen to it or not. And I think I've just continued to grow in that manner, but it definitely led me to being one of the captains. I'm very vocal on the field and my coach and I didn't start off on a great note. Like I, I didn't make a couple of the teams, like I said earlier with the traveling, even under him, he came in in 2018 and I was like, I don't know if this is gonna work out again, but I didn't wanna compromise my character to just you know, slide in 
And I, I really value that. And I think that's part of me. And at the end of the day, it did get me to where I am, but not without several speed bumps, I yeah. should say. So um, I think, you know, this, just this idea of being outspoken, it's a lot of things, a, a lot of athletes are embracing that right now. And um, particularly when you're on the world stage, right? Mm -hmm. um, but it doesn't always come without controversy. You know, last, my last podcast guest was actually a retired NFL player um, and Super Bowl champion, Chris Long, Howie Long's son. And um, we got into a conversation about this idea of like stick to sports, right? When you hear athletes who will like speak out on, you know, a social issue and the feedback is always like, just stick to your sport. Like Abby, stick yeah. to rugby, right? And I'd love to get your perspective on how you feel about that. And I think it's even more amplified on the world stage. And you, you see already there's, um, there's athletes that, uh, and, and, you know, I don't want to go too far down this, this path, but I think it's important because we're in a place right now where you're, you're representing the United States of America in the Olympics. Right. And, and there's athletes that are, um, that are there and are, you know, standing on that podium and, and turning around. Right. And there's, right. and I've seen calls for them to be thrown out be, and I've seen people to say, embrace them. And, and I'd love to know, you know, you don't have to tell me where you stand on that, but I'd just love to know how you feel about this idea of athletes being able to stand for more than just the sport they're playing. Right. Oh, hundred percent. I am all for taking a stand on whatever you believe in and whatever you think is right. Sticking to your sport is so demeaning to me as an athlete. Like I'm so much more than a rugby player, right? Like I have a degree in physiology and neurobiology. I'm a Pilates instructor. I'm an EMT and a firefighter. Like, and people don't know that. They don't know how I got to the Olympic stage. All they see is, oh, that's a rugby player speaking out on Black Lives Matter. Like, oh, they don't, they don't know about that. They just, like, but we do. And there's so many incredible teammates that I have had the experience to play with and learn from. And our team is one of the most diverse I've ever been a part of. And they're just such incredible women outside of rugby. And I think the world doesn't see that. They just see athlete, rugby player, whatever it is. And they don't know the paths that people have gone through or what they've experienced in their lives. And so that whole saying is just belittling. And I, I encourage athletes to use their platform to stand up for what they believe in. Mm -hmm. And I think we've come so far. We've seen so much of that over the past few years. And I'm all for it. And I love seeing people use their platform for good and fighting for what they believe in and not just, you know, brushing things under the rug. Yeah, no, I love that. And I think it's true. You know, it's just, I, I think you nailed it. You know, it's demeaning, like to, to think that you are just a rugby player, to not mm -hmm. know the different layers of you as a person. Right? right. And I love what Chris Long said. And, and again, Chris, and I, we didn't agree on everything in terms of mm -hmm. like, but at the end of the day, what we did agree on was this idea that, you know, he was more than just a football player and he yeah. was going to be able to say, you know, why shouldn't he be able to speak 
just as I'm able to speak on, on my thoughts and opinions. But one of the things that you definitely have to deal with as a team captain is um, a lot of different personalities and a lot of different Mm -hmm. people coming from different walks of life, people coming from different diverse backgrounds. And, you know, you're the one that's designed there as the team captain to help build that team. And Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, if you have one person turning around uh, when the national anthem's being played and one person kneeling and one person with their hand over their heart, um, and I'm just using that as a metaphor, but whatever it may be, like you're the person that, that is there to make sure you're bringing that team together. And mm-hmm. do you feel that pressure in some way? And, and I'm talking about running the gamut just as the captain of bringing a team together. I do find I I'm thinking of that often. Like uh, a lot of times I'm worrying about the team, where we are, what we're doing versus my own individual play at times. And I can almost get ahead of myself thinking of the team first versus my own individual play. But that's always been a work on of mine as well is, is those connection pieces, because I can be that, you know, type a personality. Hey, this is what we're doing this is not good enough, pick it up. These are the objectives. This is the outcome I need. But going into that softer side, that compassionate, great teammate, working on your relationships, I've been working on that for a long time and it's definitely improved, but it's a constant challenge. And at the end of the day, these 12 girls are a unit, we're a family and we back each other. And we support each other. And if someone wants to kneel and someone wants to stand, like more power to them. We're not going to make everyone do something that they don't think is right, but we will represent the U.S. and we'll do it proudly. And we can't wait to, you know, pull on those red, white, and blue jerseys at the end of the day. Yeah. So what do you think it's going to take this year to move you guys onto the podium? (laughs) Just connection. Like we can play rugby. These like, these girls are some of the most athletic I've ever seen from all sports, track and field, ice hockey, soccer, rugby. We have some girls who have played rugby since, you know, high school or youth. And we, we are up against some nations that have been playing rugby for years and years, but the power, the speed, the physicality is really unmatched. And if we just focus on ourselves, like there's no doubt in my mind that we can do it. So, Tell me if you make it up on that podium, what's going to be going through your head? Like, have you thought about that? Have you thought about, you know, and, and, and not to like, um, you know, put any ideas into your head, but I'm sure you've thought about that, right? Like what, mm-hmm. what, I mean, first of all, you're there. So that in itself, like you've got, you probably have a ton of things running through your head. Just the fact that you are in Japan about to compete mm-hmm. in the Olympics. But this idea that in a few days you could be standing up on a podium, like what is what does it feel like for you right now? What is going through your head? And and what are you going to be thinking as you're standing up there? What does it represent to you? Let me put it yeah. that way. What does it represent okay. to you? I get chills just thinking about like freaking oh, my whole body. But <laughs> it's just the culmination of like dedication like I think that's and just 
backing myself, like as much as I have the support and if you don't, if you're not doing something because you want to do it or you love doing it, it's, it's just not going to happen as much as my mom wants me to go to medical school. If it's not for me, then I'm not going to do it, or I'm not going to put my whole heart and head into it. And I think that this is one area that I just decided to back myself and to write my own path to not listen to anyone. Yeah, I'll take their advice with a grain of salt, but just knowing that 10 years down the road, whether that's a short amount of time or a long amount of time, is that I went through it, I did my very best, and I ended up getting the outcome I wanted. It's not always going to happen, but for me, just uh, just grateful for the path like and the journey and I'm sure all the thoughts will be coming and the pride that I'll be feeling will be immense and overwhelming, but it's just exciting. Yeah. No matter the outcome, I'm excited. So, I mean, I feel excited just sitting here talking <laughs> to an Olympic athlete. I'm not going to at 12, 15 in the morning. I'm, I'm yeah. excited. I'm pumped up. And, and, you know, I always think, you know, when I, and I remember uh, the summer Olympics was something that uh, we as a family were, it was something, it was like the summer Olympics are on. And, and I right. was big into the gymnastics. I loved watching the gymnastics. I wasn't a gymnast, but I was just, I loved yeah. watching the gymnastics when I was little. And I always remember, and the swimming too. And, and I always remember when these athletes would get up into the podium and, you know, the, you know, if they, they, they won the gold and the national anthems playing and, this uh, you and you said like the sense of pride and i think about um just the equation of athletes representing america and and those who serve our country right where you're this this uh group of people that are representing the united states of america you know and i will say that the best country in the world right uh, the it, with all its imperfections um the best country in the world. And you're standing there representing this country for something that you have put your heart and soul into. And um, I just think it's such an awesome accomplishment. And it's probably something that while you have um, people that win the World Series and the Super Bowl, and you know, I don't know that they ever will be able to experience that same sense of pride that comes with representing your country. Right. Mm -hmm. And so um, it's just pretty awesome. And uh, I'm, I'm proud of everyone who goes on and um, competes uh, in the Olympics for America. I just think it's so cool. Um, you've been through so much, um, you know, overcoming the challenges with the rugby career you never knew you were going to have. Um, <laughs> and and really, while you're building that up, dealing with your husband um, and his uh, cancer diagnosis, um, but all along kind of staying committed to that path and that dedication that you talked about. Um, what did that look like? And again, you know, I'm all about resilience. I'm all about taking those setbacks and using them to fuel you to move forward. What does it mean for you to live a resilient life? I think knowing that there's going to be adversity and obstacles and just accepting them and then using them as fuel. Like, I feel like people who think 
like look at people and are like, oh, they probably had an easy path. Like, oh, they had everything handed to them. Or I just don't, don't like when people say that because you have no idea. Even your own mind plays a million games on you when you're battling anything. And I think just knowing you accept it for what it is and then you just get back and you keep going. It's always about getting up. We're all getting knocked down countless times. And if you can just use it in fuel in some way, like your daughter, and then just finding that one thing that you're so passionate about that you will stay the course. That's what rugby has been for me. And I just love the sport so much and I, I want to be the best and I want to compete against the best, but it's because that I have that desire within me. And I think that's, what's so important with anyone who's going to be resilient in any aspect is as long as you love what you do and you're invested in it, then I, I back anyone to go after what they want. I love it. Abby, we are cheering from you for you from <laughs> afar. Um, and we're, we're going to be following your journey over the next several days. I'm so excited for our listeners to hear this conversation and hopefully when this posts, we're going to be posting of your medal achievement <laughs> at the Olympics uh, for the U.S. women's rugby team. Abby, thank you so much for joining the Resilient Life podcast. Awesome conversation and looking forward to all you're going to do. Thanks so much. I appreciate you having me and go USA. Go USA. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Resilient Life podcast please make sure to share, like, and subscribe.